Welcome to Commission Impossible. I am Scott Fish. Here with me, as always, is Ryan McDowell. We've become known for our commissioning over the years, got together, started a podcast for, to help other commissioners out there, just help other leagues out there, really. If you are new to the show, all our episodes are evergreen, which means you can do what many people do and go back and listen to them all. We love that. What we do here is go over listener questions, bad commission stories, interesting league ideas people have sent us, go over some of our ideas that have become very popular, some new ideas we've had recently. By the way, I, I was talking to Charge about one this just, just the other day, um, but I cannot talk about it publicly. I'll tell you off the air, Ryan, and, and maybe we'll talk about it in another week. Um, you can email us at commissionpod at gmail.com. That's where you can send us your, your stories, your, your ideas, your questions, whatever you want. Commishpod at gmail.com. Now, on to the show. Ryan, Ryan, it's been too long. It's been a few weeks. We've both had a lot of stuff on our plate. Um, I, th- I think we might have had some vacations in there and stuff. I, I'm not I'm not sure where those lined up in the in the small couple week gap we missed the show. But I'm drinking a Sonic the Hedgehog energy drink and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Nice. You are fired up today. I love it. And uh, yeah, you've got me intrigued. I can't wait to hear about uh, about that new league idea. Those are always fun. Uh, yes, they you, are. Usually pretty crazy when they come from you, but uh, always fun and uh, and and interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. Ready to talk some uh, bad commish stories. That seems to be kind of in the news lately with the uh, the story from. <laughs> From Major League Baseball, so we want to start there. <laughs> Talk about that's crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it, obviously we don't have all the information with with uh, Jock Peterson, Tommy Pham, and and now Mike Trout is involved. But to be fair, when we read these emails, we usually don't have all the information uh, in those either. So it it, it kind of works out. Um, it seems like Tommy Pham is kind of maybe maybe he's in the right, but he's handling it wrong. Is that fair to say? It, that's the way it seems at this moment. Until we get some new information, it's <laughs> it seems like uh, the problem arose with uh, you know Jock putting a player on IR that was simply out, and then he said Tommy Pham did it too with Jeff Wilson, but Jeff Wilson was on PUP for a while, and maybe that's what he was talking about, and maybe that's eligible. Maybe Mike Trout set up the league wrong where out players were not supposed to go on IR, but he set it up wrong on the host and the host site allowed it. I don't know, man. It's <laughs> There's a lot going on in this. Well, I think that that's actually a pretty common mistake for casual leagues is you have, you have the rules and the rules are what, you know, what you have in mind, what the commission has in mind, what they put in the word doc or the email or whatever. Yep. But then those rules don't actually end up matching uh, what you set up on the league. Uh, I think this was an ESPN league, I believe they have said. Um, So whatever you want the rules to be, you have to make sure that your actual host league matches that. That's that's a pretty common issue, uh, I would imagine. Yeah, not just casual leagues. I, I feel like I've done that once or twice <laughs> before where it's just and I've had to fix it. That's why I got that best interest clause, you know, to close right. those loopholes when I when I set something up wrong on accidents. Not often, but when it happens, you, you got to fix it up. Um, we have so many, so many things to go over because 
just people keep emailing, which is we love keep emailing. <laughs> it's a good thing, but, but there's a lot of stuff to go over. Do you want to, do you want to start with this, uh, this first one here? I'm not even sure yeah. what it is. Not even sure at all what it is. I have not, we, we never pre-read. What am I talking about? <laughs> well, we'll, ha- we'll jump in here. This one is from Earl. We don't know where Earl is from. Come on guys. Maybe, you know, maybe it's you know Earl English. Deal. I think it's Earl it could English. Be. Could be okay. Earl from Florida. Maybe. Uh, let's see. Earl says, I love the pod and the newsletter as a commission. I'm having an issue in my auction keeper home league that I'd like to get your advice on. Most teams can keep five players. However, the two semifinalists can only keep, uh, I guess that would be two finalists. Wouldn't there be four semifinalists? Anyway, uh, the, let's, let's say the two finalists, the two finalists can only keep four. Oh, I see here. I see where we're going. I should have pre-read. Two semifinalists can only keep four. Two finalists can only keep three. If you keep a player, their original drafted salary deducts from your $200 draft auction budget next season. A player can only be kept twice before they have to go back in the player pool. Ideally, you want to keep good players that were drafted at low salaries. That all checks out. Uh, I've never heard of the the better teams getting... being being limited on their keepers, but I kind of like that. That adds a, yeah. a wrinkle to it. Uh, Earl says, overall, I love the format, but it has created a dynamic of dump trades. High-priced, oh. uh, usually top players, or players that can't be kept next year are being traded to contenders for cheap prospects. This creates a few mega teams in the league before the deadline. It also makes the non-competitive teams really non-competitive after they dump, which tilts the regular season schedule if a contender is lucky to face a team that dumped late in the season. Mm-hmm. Every season, the dump trades create drama, causing the league to tilt. Any ideas on how to balance this out? I hate the idea of vetoing trades, which has been suggested by a few. Uh, also, it was suggested to maybe make the total salary of a potential trade be within a certain range to ensure some balance. Really appreciate your advice. So, uh, you know, Half of the dump trades that he's talking about happen in, in your normal keeper leagues <laughs> where, right. a, where a player that can't be kept any longer gets traded to a contender for something that'll help the, the lower end player. The, like those, those happen in all keeper leagues that have this basic setup, regardless of the auction versus draft pick. Um, exactly. I mean, you could do, you could do things like players that, you know, players that, can't be kept, can't be traded after X week or players that are drafted in the first two rounds or whatever can't be traded after X week. I mean, that would minimize it, but that's, you know, you know how I feel like I hate hindering leagues and hindering trading, but stuff like that. Yeah. Might work. I mean, my first thought was exactly what you led with there, that this, this is pretty common, especially in keeper leagues. Um, I, I don't view it as a problem. Actually, I kind of view it as um, a, a pro to the uh, to the format and to the setup. Yep. Me too, by the way. But yeah, in my home league, I completely agree with you, Ryan. Right. But ultimately, you know, Earl is saying this is causing s- some 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 issues in his league. So they it do could, need to find. I was just going to say, it could be, yeah, it could be on a level that we're not used to. We're used to. A, you know, a modicum of it. And this might be an extreme level that's really hurting the league. Right. Um, I, I don't think there's an obvious solution. I'm sure if there was, Earl would have come up with it already. I, I think your idea of, of limiting, um, you know, after, after a certain week would, 
like the trade deadlines makes week, some sense. The trade deadline being like week twelve, but week ten is the trade deadline for you know non-keepable players and top two round draft picks or something. Um, I can see something like that hindering those trades because at week ten, y- you really don't know who's going to be that good in the playoff, right? Like you're you're four weeks away from even knowing your playoff teams. Yeah. Yeah, I think that hmm, that might be the best option, but unfortunately, there's no clear there's no clear option that also that also um, kind of keeps the I, I don't know keeps the idea of, of the league really intact. You know, I mean, you could always say you can't trade expiring players at all, and I mean, you're just really, really limiting. Um, right. The integrity of the league, honestly. Yeah, people people would still. I mean, people could still hyper focus on those, you know, high priced assets like players that have that. I mean, we're. I I was talking draft picks, you know, first two rounds, but this is auction, so like you'd have to set and like what percentage of the auction budget, what percentage of that two hundred, like anybody over forty dollars can't be traded after week ten is probably what you're looking at. Over thirty, whatever it is, um, your league, you, you know, your league girl. Um, the the two the couple options he said, you know, vetoing. Don't love that at all. Um, right. Yeah, make the total salary of the potential trade be within a certain range. I feel like you could also get around that with, you know, like just a bunch of players on one side making making up fifty dollars towards the fifty dollar player. You know, so yeah, but I do too. But that that still might be the best option, though. Could be um, a good option. It sounds like the league is not salary cap. Maybe it's just auction, but not salary cap. That's what it sounds um, like. Yep. So if that's the case, then typically you wouldn't you wouldn't care if you trade a fifty dollar player for a five dollar player. Uh, but if they have to be within what twenty percent, twenty five percent, yeah, yeah. I mean that yeah. that could certainly that would certainly shift the um, these types of trades from happening. Yeah, I can definitely. Yeah, I can. De- I can definitely see it. My o- my only concern is just the the stacking of like five players to get you know to get towards that one player. Since since you're he's probably stacking five players that he would not keep. You know to like it's probably non keepers on both sides actually. Right, I mean, but you're still talking. I mean, you still got some roster limits you have to work within. Yeah, and, that's true. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's your, your, your second one there, Earl is that, that, that's not a bad idea either. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that might be the best one. Yeah. I, I, yeah. (laughs) I I feel like we weren't very much help for Earl. Yeah. I, I, I hate things that hinder trades. I do think that, you know, having, you know, an earlier trade deadline just for, you know, um, players that can't be kept and players that are high salary uh, would also help in this situation. Um, it sounds like the, the league does have a lot of drama with those dump trades and that might, yeah, either of those two things or both of those two things together might, might really help it. Ah, wow. That was a lot, Earl. Hope, to, hope some of that helped you. Um, 
Nate from Massachusetts, what do you got for us? So I've thought, so I've thought for a while about rushing quarterbacks and their relative value to pocket passers. My league has implemented six point passing TD minus four interception to good, reward good QB play, but that doesn't necessarily level the playing field. You know it does. SFB scoring where <laughs> you take in sacks and completions and incompletions as well. Um, man, out of Ryan, out of 12 years of SFB, 11 so far, I guess. That is probably the one rule I've gotten the most compliments and like feedback about that people are like, score. yeah, I have to put this in my league because mm. it really, it really levels out the tiers, but I don't think it really levels out rushing versus passing as much. It does, it does somewhat, but it really moves the tiers. Um, really the only way to neutralize rushing quarterbacks is to make every quarterback yard passing and rushing the same, like all one for 25. That'll neutralize the crap out of that. Um, you got to nerf rushing scoring, r- the QB rushing scoring. Um, but I'm gonna finish. Th- I'm gonna finish the question. If a team were seeking to neutralize the running QB, <laughs> make it more about QB play in total, would making passing yards work like rushing yards level in the field? Hmm. <laughs> huh? Feels like that. Feels like that literally exactly. What, it spikes QB, QB point scoring. Uh, but what effect? No, 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 no. You do it the opposite. What he's saying is, sure, it spikes QB's point scoring. Thirty yards passing, three hundred yards passing would be worth thirty points, but if, would effectively neutralize guys like Taysom Hill, who are basically only valuable because they run. Um, Taysom's a tight end now, so you don't have to worry about that as much. But uh, no, no, no. You do the flip. You do the flip, where a quarterback rushing yard would be one one per twenty five. You don't boost. You don't boost QB passing to one per 10 yards. No, that's that's not the way you do that. That makes quarterbacks so much more valuable than the other positions. What you do is you you nerf the QB, you nerf the rushing scoring for quarterbacks um, if you want to neutralize that. I don't even know that that's a great idea. Um, the last FSGA with... Uh, at the last FSGA, I had dinner with, you know, like people from some guys from underdogs, some guys from the footballers and whatnot. And I, I was actually talking to uh, Jason and uh, um, Jason and Mike from the, the fantasy footballers. And they both are in on nerfing rushing points for QB scoring. I know it's something Scott Barrett's talked about a lot too. Uh, Addison Hayes, I believe, has talked about that as well. Um, but those two footballers are all in on it. And Andy... The complete opposite. He does not, he does not want any part of it. Um, so you're going to get a lot of people on both sides of that. But if you really do want to even the field, what you do is you bring down the quarterback rushing. You do you do not spike up the QB passing. Um, Ryan, do you have anything to add? I feel like I talked a lot on that because I've I've thought about bringing that to SFB for SFB 12, and I don't know that I can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly been a big topic, um, a growing topic over the past couple years and um i guess i guess based on what you're saying i'm i'm with andy because i i don't think it should be uh changed at all right i mean different quarterbacks play the game differently and and some uh some have more of a strength as runners you know i mean we don't do this with uh we don't do this with wide receivers right i mean there's some wide receivers who are target hogs who are getting a dozen targets a game and others uh, are, are just hitting on that big play. We don't impact the scoring for them. I mean, obviously PPR right. does PPR does that, but um, you think about 
the running back position uh, of those traditional, you know, uh, bell cow type backs or, or those, you know, between the, between the uh, tackle type runners that are, are just going to carry it 25 times versus uh, the guy who's going to catch eight or 10 balls a game. Um, and again, PPR impacts that as well, but I don't think, I, I don't think it changes it like this type of scoring change would. Um, I, I just, I just don't see a reason for a change, honestly. It's considered the why I I'm, I'm in agreement. I, I think, I think the big argument comes from people who watch a quarterback have a terrible game, like just a terrible game on the field. And then because they had 80 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown, but played terrible other, other than that, they have an awesome fantasy day. And I think that's, that's where this drama has unfolded from is some of those. And, and, and we do hear that at the other positions, you know, if yeah. that, if that running back, um, catches six passes for eight yards right Right. Uh, i mean not that that's a huge day but you know you're getting you're getting 10 points points. out of that or something yeah uh when they when they almost did nothing so i mean i get those conversations but if a if your quarterback's rushing for 80 yards and a touchdown even on a bad passing day he is impacting the game and and helping his team uh in in a major way so I, i don't know i just yeah and yeah. there's so many. There's so I many. Think, I think I've leaned with you, Ryan, where I just I don't I, I I've even crunched the numbers for SFB twelve. Um and I, I don't believe I'm doing it. I'm ninety nine percent sure I'm not doing it. But I realized it didn't change a lot. You know? Like it didn't like yes, the rushing numbers came down, but it didn't like separate the quarterbacks more. It maybe reordered them a little. Like it didn't it didn't have a drastic effect. It was just kind of something to do, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I think I probably lean closer to you and Andy, um, but I, I get the talk. Um, it, you know what this reminds me of, Ryan? Reminds me of a league I did in the mid 2000s, probably. I'm going to, I'm going to guess around 07, maybe, where, um, 06, 07, right in that range. Anywhere, it, it was a, it was a league where, if any anything you did outside of your position, you got like it was different scoring for it was it was uh, extra points for, like quarter like uh, ru- quarterback rushing, uh, a wide receiver rushing, a running back catching the ball um, and receiving yards, etc. Um, if you did stuff that was outside your position, like uh, you got you got extra points. Now I feel like running backs catching the ball and receiving yards isn't outside their position. That's just normal now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that has become normal and, and quarterbacks running the ball has, has become uh, fairly normal as well. Yeah. I, I just don't see a reason to change, to make any change here. I don't either. And it's not like even, even with the current setup of scoring of most quarterback rushing yards, it's not like they're ridiculously better, you know, like it's right. the, the the one to twelve quarterbacks or whatever it's just it's a slight reorganizing I don't I I'm I'm not really big on it but that's your, that's your answer Nate if you want to do this you nerf the QB running you don't spike up the QB scoring I think that's the answer I'm try, that's the answer to your question <laughs> um Ryan you want to read the next one as we're twenty minutes into this episode on two questions <laughs> let's do it. 
this is from Daniel from Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Daniel says, I heard John Bosch talking about a pl- about playoff callouts and was hoping that you guys could walk me through how something like that would work. Some of my league mates and I would like to implement it, uh, implement it into a new league this year. Also, we're looking to do a superpowers league, but don't want the powers to be too strong. Any ideas on how to create some powers, but keep them uh, nerfed enough to be fun and not league changing when they're used? This is also something John was talking about. Should um, we have John on for this one? <laughs> we we need we should get John on here soon. Um, I'm not going to be much help on the superpowers. I've I've never actually done one of those leagues. Um, and there there yeah. This guy mentioned he's been on Twitter. Like, there, there are super power leagues. You can search them up. You can find rules to super power leagues. Just, just small, like shrink the points on them. You know, um, have the freeze instead of the freezing a player. Like, or have a like instead of having a player, have it like remove five points from a player or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just dial it down. Yeah, just just go search up superpower leagues, find rules on Twitter because they're out there. I've seen them, and just dial down the points on them. Um, I I I can't think of any specific. I'm like you. I can't think of any specific superpowers you could use that would be. But I'll I'll let you continue. Sorry, I kind of interrupted there. No, no, you're good. Uh, as far as Daniel's other question, uh, playoff callouts. That's actually something I've talked about a league that I ran on, uh, gosh, a dozen years ago now, probably maybe more than that. Um, and the goal of that league at that point, I, I really wanted to find an auction league that had a rookie auction. And again, I've talked about this on here before. Um, there were tons of auction leagues, but every auction league I found once they got past the initial auction, uh, the initial startup auction, they went to draft. They, yep. they did rookie drafts every year and I, I just couldn't understand it. Uh, I really wanted to do a league with rookie auctions. Couldn't find one. So I made my own yep. and created the, uh, created the chart that many of us use still today. Um, but in that league, I tried a few other things that were, um, I just kind of considered experimental rules at the time. And some of those were, already out there and, and some, uh, you know, I kind of came up with on my own. Uh, but this is one calling out uh, your playoff call outs. So basically the highest seeded team that is playing that week. So if you're, if it's the first week of the playoffs and maybe your top two seeds have buys, the number three seed gets to choose their opponent. So they most likely have three options to choose from. Normally it might be three versus six in a, in a traditional uh, league setup, but with with our rule, you got to choose your opponent. So maybe that was maybe that was not the sixth seed. You know, maybe their their players had good matchups, or maybe the number four seed had some injuries they were dealing with. Whatever the case, you the highest seeded team got to choose their opponent, and then in week two, of course, the number one seed would get to choose their opponent from the remaining teams. So that's how we did it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay. So and then the second round, the one, the one seed gets first choice of the two winners, and the two seed gets the choice of the two lose uh, the next the or gets the other team, I guess. Yeah, depending on your playoff uh, setup, you may only really have one decision to make. Uh, if you have a larger, yeah, uh, larger playoffs, or maybe the top seeds don't get buys in the first week, uh, 
you may have a couple teams making decisions. Uh, I think it, most it, platforms, a lot of platforms allow you to, to manually adjust this too. I yes, know, I yeah. know CBS does. I know MFL does. I don't believe sleeper does to my knowledge. Like I f- think sleeper has, um, has two ways their playoff brackets are determined and you can't manually adjust. So I don't think you could do this on sleeper unless you simply scored it outside of sleeper. <laughs> but um, yeah. maybe, maybe someone will email in and correct me. I had someone email in and correct us on something that I didn't, I didn't know any place else, but MFL did it on another topic and another show. Um, and it was good to learn that. Um, yep. I, I like learning those things. I, I play on five different platforms and I don't know all the ins and outs of each of them, but I try to. <laughs> Um, that's good, good, good description for him. Good way to, and hopefully more people do call outs. Cause that's, that sounds pretty fun. I, I wonder if my home league wants to bring that in. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, it, it was, it was definitely an added, um, you know, wrinkle to the league and, and created some rivalry things, uh, which is always fun. I'm really excited for my home league this year because, you know, we're missing a member and you're coming up to take that spot. Um, oh, that's come, right. Yeah. You're coming to the live draft for that. I so about that. <laughs> I got to replace that spot one of these days. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to have a league entering year 31 in an open spot. It's, you you got to really fit. We haven't had an open spot in like 10 years. You got to really fit wow. with us. So, um all right, let's let's move on to Vince from Youngstown, Ohio. Auction League, Fab Waiver System. That's how he starts. Like he's straight to the point. Let's just get <laughs> jumping in here. Let's do it. <laughs> Had two managers bid their full budget budget. A bidget. <laughs> What's a bidget? <laughs> uh, I might I might even edit that out. Had two managers bid their full budget. That's where it happened. Bid and budget in the, like right next to each other. That's where okay. Let's try this again. <laughs> Had two managers bid their full budget on Elijah Mitchell in week one of waivers. Sleeper default sets the initial waiver priority to reverse nomination order. Okay, because it's auction league, uh, which is the tiebreaker. Priority rolls after that. What is a good way to set the initial priority waiver priority in an auction league? Same for linear snake league drafts. Um he had an identical situation in a dynasty league last year, but it wasn't fab. Um, sleeper defaulted to re- reverse rookie draft order. Um, so that would be the best team, right? The best team got the the top waiver priority, it sounds like, in that. Because mm. um, it, it was a dynasty league reverse rookie order. What is the best dynasty waiver priority to open the season? <sighs> okay. Um you're almost asking four different questions like startup versus, you know, a second year or later. Um, I, I still think it probably should be the worst team. <laughs> like uh, yeah, in, I think, if you're in the second, if you're in the second year. Yeah. I think if you, if you're an established league, it's pretty easy. Just rookie draft order. Right. Right. Uh, whatever, whatever that was. And of course, before, before trades, you know, not counting trades. Um, but if you're talking about a, a startup, that's the startup auction league one is the, is the, well, startup auction league or snake is interesting. Um, I will tell you the way I do it in my leagues uh, for startup years. It's uh, it's as simple as can be earliest submitted bid. 
um, because yeah. I, I just assumed they're all on even footing at that point. And I'm like, this guy put in the claim first, he gets the player. If, if there's, if it's a tie, if there's the same exact amount, that's what I do in my leagues. Yeah. That, and that's probably a good way to do it. You're also giving, um, giving credit. I mean, you're rewarding activity, first of all, mm-hmm. uh, but you're also potentially rewarding uh, the person who spotted Elijah Mitchell first. Right. And it, I mean, if you're talking about week one waivers and I don't, I don't remember specifically week one of last year, but you know, if Mitchell had a new, had a big game, everybody's kind of in on him. But if it, if it's preseason waivers and you've been uh, watching those games or, or reading up on notes and you want to take a shot on a guy like that, then uh, you're, you're rewarding that as well, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's, I, I completely agree with all of that. And yes, Elijah Mitchell had like a hundred yards and a touchdown week one last year. So that would be why that happened. I, I remember a lot of people by, I, I remember it was controversial though. I remember a lot of people thought it's still going to share, you know, that. Oh yeah, that's there's, right. Yeah. There's still Sermon. There's still Mostert going to be coming back. Jeff Wilson's going to be like, I remember there was still a little controversy there, but you know, Sermon was a, a week one healthy scratch. Yeah, that's right. But when you're in a deep enough dynasty league, oh, Elijah Mitchell maybe was not rostered somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah, Elijah Mitchell did go for full roster, full full budget in a lot of leagues though. But that's yeah, I do early a submitted bid, and I agree with you on the the benefits of why that why that matters. Um, it says this is on sleeper, and someone can correct me. I'm sure, but I'm not sure where, like, I'm not sure if it shows when the bid is, I think, yeah, I think it does show when the bid is submitted. And I'm almost positive it does. I don't, I never look that deep. <laughs> I just kind of submit my, my waiver bids on, on sleeper and yeah. have it. Yeah. I, I don't think it, I, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember any real ties um, that I was a part of that I had to, you know, look deeper. Um, all right. Uh, I read that one. You want to read this one and we'll call it, or should we just call it here? Uh, yeah, we can, we can jump into one more. Um, this is Jamie from Austin. Jamie says, should drawing DPI defensive pass interference be worth two points or maybe even more? Should drawing DPI be worth two points or more? Sure. But what host has it? Like do, do yeah. any, do any stat providers have that? Um, like I haven't seen that, um, on a team level maybe, but I, do they have it on player level? I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Um, as far as the scoring. So if we're assuming that the player catches the ball and and it's a normal PPR league, so that's one point. Um, so you're, you're giving them back one point that they would have had for catching the pass. And then, um, and then you're, you're just giving them one extra point for, you know, whatever yardage they might've had. But of course, a lot of times those DPI calls are, uh, are big plays, right? Potentially yeah. 30, 40 yard, uh, yard plays. I mean, I guess in a, in a best case scenario, if you're going with this rule and, and we see this a lot, right. And, and uh, every time there's, there's a, a big penalty like this. And especially if it's one of the top receivers, you can check Twitter and, and see comments like this, that yeah. DPI should be um, should be a, a fantasy stat and you should get points for that. And that's fine. But you're, you know, the receiver's not always going, going to catch those balls in general. So that's, right. that's the first thing. 
Um, and secondly, as you said, it, it's just, it's not tracked in that way. Yeah. Um, maybe we would, we would give them the actual points if they caught the, caught the pass where they were. Um, you know, if that would have been a 20 yard catch, they get or, three points. Or do you uh, give them half credit? <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. they, they didn't catch it, but they likely would have. That's why the flag was thrown. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to all those discussions once hosts have uh, DPI, like involved in DPI and DPI yards, <laughs> right. like attached to uh, our player. <laughs> I look forward to those discussions because you know people are going to want it. Yeah, I just, yeah, that's true. Until it's Until it's really an option. It's not really worth discussing, honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I, let, I'm gonna posit a hypothetical world where if uh, you know Justin Jefferson is involved in a DPI um, and the host does only DPIs on, with Justin Jefferson, I can see it being like two points: one point for potential catch and one point for you know whatever you know two to three points, whatever. Um, if they also do the yards that were attributed to that DPI, like the yards of the penalty, and they attribute that in the stats to just, I can see going, going just all out catch plus yards or half credit or whatever. There, you're right. There's just no real answer. We need to have this discussion when, when these stats are actually allowed. But I, I do like the idea of them, them being part of the uh, discussion for just because it's fun to watch. Yeah. If it ever happens, (laughs) let's call it. We are way over 30 minutes. That's way over where we normally are. So Ryan, another episode commission impossible. It's a good time. Make sure to give us a five-star review on whatever you listen to podcasts, tell your friends, uh, tell your lead mates, tell your commissioners all about us. We, we would love all the new listeners you can bring to us because we, 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 dish out some awesome stuff for you to potentially bring to your leagues or the people you tell about this show to bring to their leagues. Um, a lot of good stuff on the show. So follow me on Twitter, scottfish 24 Follow Ryan on Twitter, RyanMC23. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>